Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Final Whistle Podcast. I'm Marvin Aguetta, joined by Ben Kane yet again. Ben, we are back for episode two, man. How are you feeling? I'm excited. Some some things have happened today that I'm not too happy about, but we're here to talk about it. We're here to talk about your Barcelona, my oh, Manchester yeah. City, and everything else that happened this week. Yeah, there's a lot of news. We'll get into a lot of games. Obviously, we had to scratch our original rundown because Manchester City made us a surprise, as you mentioned. And yes, Manchester City have kind of made this a conversation of a title race. They get a, a draw against Crystal Palace, 0-0. And now uh, Manchester City's lead is four points. Excuse me. Yeah, four points over Liverpool. And Liverpool would yet have one game in hand to cut it to two points. And yes... Liverpool and Manchester City in a month away will play against each other. So, Ben, do we have a title race? Okay. I've always said that in 2011-2012, yep, it's on my wall right there, 2011-2012, Manchester City, they didn't deserve the league. And it was always going to catch up to them where eventually they were going to deserve it one year, like Man United deserved it that year, and they weren't going to get it. Welcome to that year, everyone. <laughs> Eventually, it's going to catch up to them. They had a shocker today. I almost, I've never said I've fallen asleep in a Manchester City game, but I almost fell asleep watching them play. It was terrible. Did not want to watch it. I still watch because I'm a loyal fan. Um, <laughs> but there, to your point, there's going to be a title race. It's going to come down to that game against Liverpool. It's like it, how it did three years ago. Yep, 2017-18, again, on the wall, uh, <laughs> when Leroy Sané scored that goal. Um, and then, obviously, the John Stones clearance off the line from, with, like, 0.13 centimeters from being a goal. It's going to come yeah. down to that game. But I also could see City slipping up a lot, and I think they will slip up a lot. Yeah, I look at this, and I, I was shocked too. But, you know, it's not surprising because Crystal Palace have always, in the past, kind of uh, messed with some of these big teams in, 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 in England. You know, we see a couple during Liverpool's title chase in 2014 where they almost had a chance to win the title. They drew against Crystal Palace in an iconic game, uh, up 3-0, and then they come back and, and, and get a 3-3 draw. You know, Crystal Palace in the past, they beat Manchester City prior before – uh, been against this team. So, you know, Patrick Vieira has done a great job with this team. This team is not under Roy Hudson where, you know, it's practical, you know, tactical and, and kind of playing on the counter. This team much more is an attacking. Wilfred Zaha is a player that always to watch. And But as you mentioned, Pep Guardiola, Manchester City dropping points and now Liverpool put themselves in a position where, you know, if they could continue to win and now the key game will be Wednesday against Arsenal. Arsenal also a team that's playing really well right now I mean we have a title race and you know I looked at the schedule and Manchester City uh their next three games right right here I'll give you two right now so they play against Southampton on the road Burnley on the on the road before playing uh at home against Liverpool so those are the next three games for Manchester City in the Premier League and then for Liverpool as I mentioned they play against Arsenal they they play against a Walford, and then they go uh, on the road to play Manchester City. So when you look at the schedule, you know, Manchester City, yes, Burnley has been a team that's fighting for relegation. They're going to want to do some result. And, you know, Arsenal has been a difficult opponent. But I think these two teams will have two points in separation when it's all done. It's going to come down to that one game in, in the Etihad, and let's see what happens. But I definitely think this is a title race. 
Manchester City dropping points. And yes, as you mentioned, performance wasn't as clean as the Pep Guardiola team wanted it to be. You know, some of the concerns have always been mentioned before, Ben, is a goal scorer, a natural goal scorer. You know, you see links of Holland potentially being coming to Manchester City. But do you think the lack of having a natural goal scorer kind of affecting them in this game? I... When I when I looked at the score sheet, I'm looking at the Palace side, and they didn't have Benteke, and they didn't have Eduardo starting, if I believe, and that was a key blow. Where I feel like those are their two main strikers, but then you look at the City side, and who's the striker in that team? Sterling can play there, but he's not. I don't think he. No, I don't even think he started today. It was Grealish, no. uh, Mars, and Foden across the front. Yep. Foden's on a striker. He needs to drop in more. I think he could be an eight, for being honest. Um, yeah. When you look at it, there's no clear striker, so it's like. City play this weird style, which I mean, Liverpool are very different, but they they like to just get in the box and then just have tap ins. Like they don't mind working the ball in the box rather than just taking a shot. So you don't need a striker in that sense. But today we saw they needed a clinical striker that they didn't have. Holland don't think that's the right move. I don't think they should spend mm. that much money, even though he is a generational type talent. Yeah. Spend that much money. Um, I don't. Timo Werner is the perfect example of a player coming from Germany over to England, not succeeding. I don't want to take that risk, um, especially when they've lost so much money on Jack Grealish. So it's yeah, going to mention. I was going to yeah. mention Jack Grealish, and yeah, he has. I'm looking at his stats right now: two in sixteen start. I mean, excuse me, eighteen appearances, two goals, two assists for a player that's worth a hundred million. I guess my question would be, you know. Was it worth spending $100 million on, on Dash Grealish and maybe prioritizing getting a striker for, for this city team? So my uh, – yeah, Jack Grealish is a really good signing. I've always said I would love – either way, I'd be happy to have him. $60 million, you spend it right then and there. $100 yeah. million, a little too much. Because $60 million, in my eyes, I saw City should have gotten him for 60 and then Danny Ings for 30 I think that would have been a really hmm. good bit of – but they didn't do they didn't do either of those they well they, they did but the money was off um yeah it's a weird situation where they need a striker and there's no one on the market apart from Holland's that could fit but also Holland is just I don't want to say he's like Ed and Jekko, hmm. but he's got this the similarities are there and Jekko, although he thrived it's not the same type of system that Jekko was in at City and I don't think it's going to be the same for Holland I think he's going to struggle if he comes here I don't know about you, what you think. I disagree. I disagree with that. I think he's a world-class uh, striker. I think those are hard strikers to find when you can kind of look at Lewandowski and, and potentially he is a departure. I know his contract is coming out in 2023. I think that's a name also we have to mention there. Um, if he doesn't extend, you know, if that's possible, you know, we see him in a lot of radar, radars right now for some of these other teams. You know, Robert Lewandowski would be one. But I think Holland is, is a player that, you can't pass on, you know, I think there's a couple teams. I think there's rumors that even city have agreed on, on yeah. getting a striker like him, which obviously hasn't been confirmed yet, but we know it's coming soon to news because, you know, Borussia Dortmund want to find out what's going to happen with his future. And so they can kind of have a direction on where they could go. So I think in the next couple of weeks, we'll find out what happens to Holland, but I think Manchester City do need a player like that. You know, when you look at Aaron Jack, but I think Holland's a little more uh, dynamic you know, he could be in the link of play. Um, Aaron Jekyll, I think, is good, but I think Holland's a little better. He has a little more speed. But one thing Holland doesn't have in, in the criticism of him is heading the ball. But outside of that, he has everything in the toolbox that could help Manchester City, you know, in these kind of games when you need your striker to get one goal for you. I think he could be a player that can make a difference maker. We see that in Borussia Dortmund where, yes, 
when he's not on the field, they're a completely different team. Um, when when he's uh, except when he's not on the field, you know, we see a different team in Borussia Dortmund. So I think the city team would would like that. And, and then you talk about Jack Grealish last week uh, about you know you know being worth a hundred million and he hasn't played up to it. I mean. Yes, I think he was a player that, yes, he, and, and this is probably the criticism and, and probably uh, what a lot of people think, you know, he was a player that played so well under a system that that was all around him. You know, Leo Messi is the same example kind of last season where, yes, everything was all, everything a, a raw, uh, around him, involved around him. And basically, I see that with Jack Grealish. He's trying to adapt to a new city style. I think this was the same issue with Real Marez. Um, the difference is, you know, we'll see in year two, you know, you usually see near two uh, these players from Manchester City adjust to the Guardiola system. So I wouldn't like panic to have the panic button, but it is very concerning to see what he's done so far this season. So one point I will make really quickly is yeah. I think I uh, Holland's a good addition. What I think they need to do is Cole Palmer still there, and he, as Pep Guardiola has clearly said, he's he might he's talent wise could be yeah. better. Odin and his like like ceiling is far higher than Phil's. Don't spend the money. Work on him. Obviously, they're trying to nurture him and give him minutes here and there, um, which is what they did for Phil. And frankly, it's worked out perfectly. But he is the striker that they're going to have in the next ten years if they can keep a hold of him. Because I know like they left Brahim Diaz and they let him walk. But like Cole's gonna stay. Focus on him. Don't bring anyone big in. If you're gonna bring someone big in. Lewandowski's name you said also Luis Suarez someone older that can mentor him like that absolutely and we'll see what happens with some of the young players again they still have a lot of young players coming in their academy that's gone to grow as well but as we mentioned before Manchester City have made this with the draw uh, a title race for Liverpool so we'll see what happens again uh, that fixture Manchester City and Liverpool in a couple weeks we'll see what happens there uh, moving on to the team the other team in Manchester the team in red uh, Manchester United get a 3-2 win from a hat-trick from, guess who, Cristiano Ronaldo, comes back and gets a hat-trick, and Manchester United get a 3-2 win over Tottenham Hotspurs. Uh, a big game for the top four for both of these teams. My question, Ben, is do you think Manchester United will get into the top four? Okay. Uh, there's a te- I would say no, but there's a technicality to this. The technicality okay. is – if Chelsea are allowed to continue to, they've said they're going to be able to continue to play, but if all yeah. their fans get cut, Manchester United will make it in strictly on the fact that Chelsea are just going to fall off. Right now, if Chelsea continue where they are and they're allowed to spend money, um, travel to games, hold games, United don't have a sniff of the top four. I think I think they fall off. Obviously, if you're looking at the table right now, Chelsea are, I mean, they're nine points clear with the game in hand, but the fa- there's 10 games left. Like, the fall-off could be there where United could sneak in. Arsenal right. have a bag. Um, United just don't have don't have what it takes. And I think the manager, it's it's rankings down to nine games left. He's a babysitter. Like, it's I, re- I think it's like the parents are coming home at 10 and it's 9 o'clock <laughs> and you're just waiting out the final hours. Like, that's what's happening here right now. They're not going to make it in. This this loss, mean, this win means nothing to them making it into the top four. I'm looking at it as Christian Ronaldo gets a hat trick. I know he's been a player that's highly been criticized under Radnick's new system, player that didn't feature in the Champions League. But I look at this and, you know, Manchester United has been a team that, you know, been talking about all season long. I saw that performance. There were some good signs, obviously, 
You know, I thought Ronaldo showed up. I think Pogba had a good game. I think uh, Jaden Sancho was really terrific on the left-hand side. And they have, as much as we want to say, you know, you know, this United team is still a team that trying to find itself into the top four. I think talent-wise, it's still enough to get into the top yeah. four if they can win out. And that's pretty much what they need to do. Ronaldo continue to play in this pace. I don't think I'm not sure if he will be. Obviously, his age, 37 years old, we don't know. But if this team continues to get wins, especially you know not well and not playing well, but can somehow get wins, and this team can see Arsenal lose again, especially if they play against Liverpool, I think there's a chance. And obviously, there's as you mentioned, 10 games left. I think this United team has the talent enough to get it, but it's the mentality, it's the defensively, it's. It's other aspects of Manchester United that have been a distraction all season that's prevented this team to just stride forward. And let's see if this Ronaldo hat trick, and you saw that hat trick. I mean, he was angry after that first goal, like yelling and screaming, <laughs> where it was, you know, he was so mad and frustrated. He let all that frustration out. So let's see if that happens. But, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo is a player that could really affect any team. And I think, you know, when you have Cristiano Ronaldo, you still have a chance. So I think they still have a, a, a big chance in, in getting the top four. You, so you said the names Pogba, uh, Jane Sancho, Ronaldo. Yeah. One thing I want to ask you about is Fred. Obviously, yeah. Fred was in the highlights with that assist he gave to Ronaldo. What are your thoughts on him? I'll, I'll go, I'll go yeah. second. Hear your thoughts yeah, yeah. So Fred, so Fred. So I, so this is interesting because, you know, I have a, I have a big friend who's a, a big Manchester United fan. And, you know, obviously, you know, Fred has always been a talking point. You know, I've always said, I really personally think Fred, is the rotational midfielder. I don't think he's an, an automatic starter. You know, he's a player that, yes, he can play, you know, three or four games in a rotation of a midfield, but he's not a player where I believe he's going to play every single game. He's just not that type of player or, or not that type of talent. Um, I think he's a player that really will be in a rotation and it'd be much more of a better fit for him. I think in this United team, you know, being a starter every game, that's not, I think, w- Fred's strengths. I think Fred has games where he plays well, he doesn't play well. So for me, you know, he's a rotational midfielder. If you bring him in into this kind of club, I think he doesn't, it's not the problem with the club. It's the, it's the, it's what you give him as a role. If you give him a a role where he comes as a, you know, as certain games as a sub or even as a starter, I think he'll, he'll, he'll strive. But if he plays, you know, 10, 11 straight games, I just don't think that's 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 Fred's strength. So, you know, that's what I think of Fred. Yeah, so there's – I mean, I see it as there's two types of center mids. There's the okay. Busquets and the Rodri, who are the more possessional-based pivot kind of players. Okay. And then Hess and, like, Angolo Kante. Yes. Lucas, uh, Lucas Torreira, who's an interesting one, but I think he is still a pest. Yeah. I think Fred, they see him as a primary ball player who wants to be on the ball. That is not what he is. No, I think, a, I think he's a pest, and I think he's really good at it. And no one gives him enough credit. I think his first game was 2016 against Leicester. And I remember sitting in my on my couch looking at this guy because he got completely hijacked from Manchester City. Like he was supposed to go there, and they took him off the plane and drove him to United. And I remember watching that like this guy is going to be a star. Granted, it didn't work out. But when yeah. he when he's on his day, he's one of the best in the Premier League. I I stand by yeah. that. But he's just so inconsistent. And when he's in the highlights, it's either he's done something incredible like the Ronaldo goal, or yeah. 
he's getting a red card every other week. Like there's different levels of Fred, but if you can find that consistent level that he can play at, that we all know he can play at, he is honestly one of the best in the Premier League. Yeah, well, I think there, there are certain games where Fred, I think, performs well, but I think there's what there's games where you just scratch in your head and you figure out, like, what is he doing? But <laughs> he's a player, definitely, as you mentioned. Again, those those kind of positions, as you mentioned, I think he he's one of those players that, yeah, I look at him, again, He when I look at Fred, he's a, he's a good guy on the ball, has some good touches. Um, defensively, he can have his moments. But, yes, again, starter, as you know, as you mentioned, with Busquets, even, even – you know, Rodri, don't look at him as like that. And I don't look at him as a guy who could especially play by himself uh, in a midfield three or even a two. So I think that's – we'll find out there. But that is a player um, I think Manchester United are betting on right now because obviously they have a lot of issues in the midfield uh, with this squad right now. I want to move on to Spurs. Yes, they get another loss. Antonio Conte scratching his head and, and a lot of frustration for Spurs fans because Spurs fans, they did come back twice. And, and there was a point where I watched this game, and I'm like, maybe Spurs will go out and win this game. But no, it wasn't. It was Ronaldo who gets the late goal in the, in the win. So my question for you, Ben, is, is Spurs top four, uh, top four done? Are they? Do you think this team will, will make top four now? They're way too inconsistent. That's the yeah. main problem. Like Kane, I think if they had a better start to the season, because Nuno was here, everyone forgets about that. Nuno started yep. the season with Spurs and he came in. Everyone was thinking he was going to be this revelation type player manager who went from a big cl- uh, small club in Wolves, comes to Tottenham and makes a name for himself, was not that. And he set them up for failure. We saw Kane disappeared because of the whole Manchester City saga. Yeah. Uh, if they had a better start to the season, I think they could have done it. But right now, I mean, you look at their last games. Uh, they lost. They beat Manchester City three two. Yeah. And they lost to Burnley. They win against right. Tot- Leeds. Lost at Middlesbrough. Win Tottenham. Or win Everton. Excuse me. And then lose Manchester United. They're so inconsistent with their performances because they have like the Everton game a five nothing win. That's a really yeah, good win. A big win. They dominated that game too. If you watch like possessionally and stuff, even the way they moved, like it was true Conte ball, and they they dominated. But then they play against United and they lose 3-2 against someone who they're challenging for top four. Like, you can't – you need to be consistent. Even if you're going to – a draw would have been like, okay, maybe they can push, but a right. loss, it's so inconsistent they don't have a shot at it. And there's too many teams above them that are just outperforming yeah. and them. And I think that's the issue. And I, and I look at Wolves right now. West Ham are in front of Manchester United in front of them. And then you have Arsenal. And all those teams, as much as you want to say they have their issues, I think – when you look at individually, they have different playmakers on their squads. And Manchester United, um, as you mentioned, had Ronaldo. So, and, and you have a, an Arsenal team that just I will find out what they were, what they're going to be, especially against Liverpool. But yeah, they have a lot of ground to make up with that loss. And now they put themselves in a position where I think, yeah, I, I don't think they have enough to get into the top four. And defensively, they just can't concede goals. They can't hold on to leads. And we've seen this in the past with Tottenham Hotspurs and they can't Antonio Conte has begged for new signings. And clearly, you know, it looks like they might need some signings defensively because they're all over the place and, and in possession. I think attacking wise they're fine, but you know, defensively has just been a shambles for this team all season. So we'll find out what happens with this team moving forward. I want to move on to Chelsea. We mentioned them before. Yes. They have so much issues off the field with the whole Roman Abramovich issues freezing his accounts. We all know what's going to happen 
in the next 15 to 20 days with this club because now a lot of things are changing. And as you mentioned, this could this be the fallout of Chelsea as we know it. But they do get the one nothing win, Ben, and over Newcastle United, who's been playing really well football right now. You know, what do you see this Chelsea team moving forward? Is there a direction where this Chelsea team could or Chelsea fans could can you know, you know, uh, I don't know when you use the word, maybe revive itself because right now they're in a situation where they're in a no-win situation. Yeah, this is, the situation is is the big story of this game. Obviously, we talked we, we praised Kai Havertz last week and he did it again. Yes. Uh, so we don't I don't really want to touch too too much on that. But what I do want to talk about is we talk about the Chelsea problem. Their biggest thing right now that I don't think a lot of people have realized is they can't re-sign players to contracts. And they have a lot of Rudiger, Azpilicueta, and Christensen, all three who are stalwarts in this Chelsea team and have been for a decent amount of time, all can't be re-signed. So while, yes, they are attacking, exciting attacking going forward, they're very fluid. Their midfield looks – it's getting better with Kovacic slowly. I think he's picking up more and more minutes, and we've seen it through the season where he's becoming a solidified spot in this team. But defensively, they're screwed. Their Rudiger was potentially going to stay. I think all three of them would have stayed if they could have resigned. Obviously, there are rumors that Christensen and Aspilicueta are going to go with Xavi to Barcelona. But these names, when you think of Chelsea, you think of Aspilicueta. I think of Rudiger as one of the best center backs in the world. How are you going to be able to replace him? And as well as if these players aren't going to be able to stay at Chelsea till the end of the season, if they're right. I would be upset, and it's. I'm going to make another metaphor here. It's like it's like when you're in eighth grade and you pass all your classes and you're right. just, you graduate. Like it's the same type of thing where these players, although they've given their all to Chelsea, what do they have to play for now? They can't be re-signed, so there's no point of playing. Like they don't want to get hurt heading into their next adventures. Absolutely, absolutely, and it's been such a just a just a head shake for a lot of these Chelsea players. I think Harry Harvard told, uh, spoke to Sky Sports after the game. And he said this, he said, it's a tough time for everybody. We'll try to give everything for them in the moment. We have to stand together. We try to do this and give them a good feeling. I mean, I've heard, by the way, Ben, that Christensen to Barcelona is 95% done. That's likely what's going to happen. Uh, I'm here. I've been told that Christensen will, no, honestly, I've been told Christensen will be a Barcelona player 95% close to being done. So um, I think he's a player that once he's, he's gone, he's gone. I don't know what's going to happen with Rudiger, but as you mentioned before, you know, these center backs are all out of contract and they need to replace them. And the fact that they still don't have a new owner or even have a Bromwich to spend, this has put them in a situation where it may force them to make sales to some of their other players around their, their team. And Thomas Tuchel has to basically use some of, you know, has to, Basically do what uh, Frank Lampard did a couple of seasons ago where he had had no budget and just had to build up this Chelsea team from some of its academy players. And that might be the case with Chelsea moving forward. And I think another big story is this Chelsea team, I think this is the end of what we saw from the Chelsea team from the last 20 years. This is a team that was right there. They've been a title contender in Champions League, a title contender in Premier League. I'm not sure that we'll ever see uh, a team – this might be the fall of Chelsea, and now a lot of Chelsea fans don't want to hear that, but in reality, you don't know what the next owner is going to be like. You know, I think there was a report out today that there was Saudi Arabia uh, bidding group that made a $2.7 billion bid for this Chelsea team. And I mean, Kong. obviously, yeah, I mean, the, but the issues have always been with those kind of uh, uh, bits have been 
you know, the human rights issue. And that was the same issue that Newcastle had when when they took over the club and this topic came up. So I'm not sure the Premier League are in such a unique situation. I'm not sure what direction they're going to want to go, you know. And for the players, it, again, you heard what uh, what I mentioned with um, Kai Halbert. It, it, they're thinking about this whole situation. It's not going away. And, and in the middle, I think last week or even this week that that happened that you know they ran out of gas in the buses. So it's a total um, situation that's just out of their hands. And I just don't know what they could do. And yes, on the football side, they're still performing. They got a huge win, one nothing win. They're still in Champions League, so we'll see what happens. And they're still the reigning defending champions of the Champions League. Let's not forget that. So, you know, this is a team that's in the free fall right now. And until that owner, until Abramovich sells the club and we don't know what's going to happen, this team right now is in a very difficult situation. And I don't know what what they can do outside of just right now playing. I mean, the one good thing is, I mean, they just won the Club World Cup as well. But the one big thing is, the age, the average age of that Chelsea team is so young, apart from the fair few, uh, the select few, where although some of those players are going to want to move on because of the financial situation Chelsea's in, where if they're locked in at a certain, for a few years, which they could potentially be, they're yeah. going to want to know fast, especially with the World Cup coming around. But if you can keep a hold of these players, I don't think Tuchel's the man for the job at this point. Frankly, good pun. Frankly, I think Frank Lampard is the perfect man for this job. He's been in this situation. He can rebuild from within. There's a lot of youth in this Chelsea team, plus the 70 loan players that are there right now. Yeah, I don't think they they can go back on loan again either. I think that was one of the stipulations where they're kind of stuck unless they get sold. But Frank knows those kids. Frank coached younger. He would be perfect for this job if he was still around. Yeah, I think this is a situation where it also could affect, yeah, as you mentioned, the manager. Like, could Tuchel just have this much patience with this Chelsea team or with ownerships or whoever is the, the director of football in this club? Yeah, and this could be a point where this could lead to the manager leaving or even players wanting to leave. Like, this is a total uh, bad situation for a club that, you know, are, the as we mentioned, the, the European champions. So, it's a horrible situation, but hopefully, again, they keep winning. So, for now, as long as they're winning, you know, this solves everything, but it might not solve everything in their future. So we'll see what happens with Chelsea Football Club moving forward. Now, I want to move on to Arsenal. Arsenal have won now their fifth straight match against Leicester City. A huge performance. I actually watched this, Ben, and Arsenal are, are, are just in another level right now. I did not expect this. Yes, we talked about last week, you know, their struggles and now coming back. We, we've talked about this, but Another huge win at home against uh, a lesser team that, you know, you know, could challenge them in some ways, but it felt very comfortable. What did you think from that Arsenal team? I mean, my one, I have two or three notes. My one, mm-hmm. my first one was Arsenal in the Champions League in the palm of their hands right now, especially with the three, I mean, they have three games in hand on Manchester United. So potentially that one point gap on United could go to three. Obviously, they are playing Liverpool, so it is a bit different. Um, I think their other two, I would assume their other two in hand are against, yeah. I mean, Leicester, Liverpool, and Aston Villa are their next three games. So they win all those, they're 10 points clear. Um, my one big thing is the center defensive midfall problem, which has been a problem for years at Arsenal. I don't think Partey and Xhaka can play alongside each other. I think they're mm. too similar. I I think Jaka and Matic, I think, are like, I don't know why I'm so intrigued by the two of them, but they're like the same player and I love them. 
And maybe it's just because they have a strong left foot and they're not afraid to ping it out while they like, drive one in. But right. I don't see Hardy as a good complement to that. Like I'm thinking back to old Arsenal center defensive mid pairings, and I think of Torreira and Guendouzi when that was clicking. That was perfect. And I don't think Party and Jacka is as elite as a pairing as that is. I think that's the one problem they need. Obviously, Party did score, so you can't discredit him for that. But I don't think moving forward, although they spent a lot of money on him, he is yeah. the answer to this midfield. Or I think they need a new partner for him because Lakanga is not going to do that either. So they definitely need to work on a different pairing for him. Um, I actually disagree with you on that. And when I look at Arsenal, I actually am a big – I didn't like Shaka when he first arrived at the club. You know, he had I – mean, he still had disciplinary issues. And, and when they got Tomas Party, uh, I actually loved the sign. You know, I saw him in Atletico Madrid. I've been following him for a while. And I think, you know, the I think this is why they're in fourth place. They're, they're very consistent. And I think that was the biggest point for me. What I wrote down is this team has finally found a consistent lineup. Uh, Ramsdale and goal. They have Gabriel, Ben White, who's been playing well. I think, you know, their wing players, you know, come and go, but they're consistent. I think their midfield pairing of Xhaka and Party are great. I think those two um, are defensively have their issues occasionally. Yes, you can say they're, they're familiar profile, but I think, you know, on the ball, and that's especially been the difference, is especially when Arsenal are in possession and in the final thirds, those guys can pick passes and uh, to Oligard or even Saka, to even Lacazette and uh, Smith Rowe. And I think this team has now that continuity that could really help them get into the top four, as we talked about. And that's how they got the two nothing, the two goals. And I think that's been the biggest difference between the Arsenal teams in the past and this season, consistency. They have five straight wins. They've been playing well. And the consistent lineup, you know, yes. And also Arsenal are not in Europa League. That's going to be a huge part. And they're not in European, any European competition. So all they have to focus on is Premier League football. And they have a chance because they've been playing well. And also, as I mentioned, the, the biggest point is consistency. This Arsenal team has found its consistency, has found the consistent lineup, and it's been working. So um, I disagree on that. I think Parton, a party and Jaka, yes, they have. They can have their issues defensively, but on possession, both of them, I think they fit well. I think I will say my favorite Arsenal pairing, and I think they've only done it once, was when okay. they put a guard and Jaka next to each other, and they mm. put Emma Fithrow moving forward as a cam, and then it was Martinelli and Saka on the right. I think that was really good. Party's good, but I don't think I don't think he fits in this Arsenal system. I think they need a more creative player next to Xhaka or a more creative player next to Party, but you need yeah. someone who can pull the strings. Uh, again, Torreira, he's still at the club. He still technically could come back. Obviously, he has his little issues, I think, with uh, Arteta, but I think he's still yeah. on the phone. So it's a player whose profile fits him is who they need. Yeah, and I, and I also, again, they have the summer. I mean, somebody, again, I think this Arsenal team is very young, as we mentioned, some of their young talent that they have. And they only can build from here, especially if they get into the Champions League. They will have another additional funds to spend to get another midfielder that can fit with one of those play players that you mentioned. Even that forward position that, you know, Lacazette is right now holding it down. But, you know, they still need a forward to uh, help them out, especially with those midfield talents that they have there. But huge win for Arsenal. And right now they're still in the top four with, I believe, three extra games in hand. Excuse me, two games, three games in hand uh, behind or ahead of Manchester United, West Ham um, and Wolves. So we'll see what happens with Arsenal Football Club, but a huge win. 
and another three point for Mikel Arteta. Now let's transition to La Liga and going to Barcelona. Barcelona had a huge Europa League game that we'll get into later on, but they come back into La Liga at home. A lot of people were were kind of suspicious of what how this Barcelona team were going to react, but they came out running, Ben, and they got three goals early on in the first 30 minutes, two goals from Fernand Torres. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang gets a goal as well. Ricky Puch gets a goal later on in the game, and Barcelona win for nothing against Osasuna. My question is, Ben, is do you believe in this Barcelona team? Do you believe in Xavi and, and what they're doing with this club? I my biggest thing was I I think they I think they're heading in the right direction. I don't think they're going to catch Real Madrid, but they're trending in the right way, and I think it's going to take them till I think next year we'll see really what he's got when everyone is back on zero points at the beginning of the season and see how far they can go. But the team they're building right now is beautiful to watch, especially I think giving because I think Fernand I I put Fernand Torres in my notes. Keep giving him penalties. It's building his confidence. We saw he scored the penalty, and then he went on to score another goal. He's going to be the key to this whole team if they can figure out how to get him involved and just keep building on his confidence. And then another one, Ricky Puig scores. Like, that's a name that was supposed to be the new shabby of this team, play alongside <laughs> Petri. He yeah. was this big name, and he hasn't been it. Is this his stepping stone to take the next jump and keep moving on? I know you might not... I know you might not think so. I've, <laughs> I've always liked him. I think under Kuman, there was always those questions of why isn't he playing? They have him. He's not playing. And then obviously, again, under Xavi, he had some eh moments where right. he got the time and then just didn't perform as well. But could this be a goal is a goal at the end of the day? And could this be his jump to propel and keep moving forward where he was originally trending in? Yeah, no. So a, a couple of points I want to make is, yes, in this performance, we saw the goals from Fernando Torres, as you mentioned, you know, gets the penalty and eventually gets that finish to get the second. My biggest takeaway was Usman Dembele. Um, he was been a player that came in and thinking he was going to be the replacement to Neymar uh, when they signed him. You know, he's been injury prone, uh, a player that this season has been in all over the news because of his contract um, renewal and still hasn't signed a contract extension with Barcelona. But he played so well in those first 30 minutes. He had, was it, two assists. Well, that pass to Fernand Torres was kind of messy-like. Uh, <laughs> messy-like. And then that second pass, I mean, yes, he had a bunch of space and also Suna didn't defend well. But, man, when was Usman Dembele is on his A game, I mean, he is a tough player to, to defend um, because he could do his right foot or his left foot and he can cut in he can cut out. And he's just a player that, you know, on his A game, has been terrific to watch, but the problem is he just hasn't been his aim for four and a half years. And that's been the issue with Barcelona fans and a lot of people, because he's been a player that we thought would be, you know, a player that would fit well with, with Messi and, and Suarez. And, and let's not forget, you know, in 2015, when Barcelona made that iconic decision to sign Usman Dembele over Kylian Mbappe, I mean, it looks looking back in history, it kind of that decision kind of still scratching your head because, you know, we saw, we see what uh, Mbappe has done with PhD and France. And we haven't seen that so much with Usman Dembele at Barcelona. So, you know, when you look at that, I think the big story was Usman Dembele gets seven assists already. Um, I know he hasn't scored a lot, but still, you know, I think when we, we have to also stop looking at Dembele as, a, as, as a, a player like Mbappe or even Messi or Ronaldo. I think he's much more 
of a Sterling, a winger, real Mares, a, a player that's not going to score, you know, you know, 15, 20 goals, maybe 10 goals, maybe 10 assists. That's the way I look at him. And I think even at Borussia Dortmund, that's what he did. And so I think that's what my big takeaways from this win. But a huge win for Chabi. He's really built, built up this confidence. And this Barcelona team is rolling. So I just think uh, – and you mentioned, by the way, let me, let's not also forget Ricky Pooch, who <laughs> – uh, yes, he he's been good. The problem we have with him, and I, I love Bar. He's a Barcelona favorite. A lot of fans love Ricky Puig. I love my thing. Even a Barcelona, I, mean, I love him. <laughs> he he he's good, but you know, in that pecking order, that midfield, Nico's ahead of him. Gabi is over him. Not Gabi had a fantastic game first for 17 years old and playing so well. For Busquets to still be ahead of him, the young Pedri. Um, those kind of players are still ahead of him. I think for Ricky Puch, I mean, he had, I think Ronald Koeman, yes, he was unfortunate. I think he should have got minutes um, under Ronald Koeman, but you can tell now, even with Shabby, um, that he's just not a player, I think, in this rotation. Yeah, maybe he could do it somewhere else, and I'm not doubting the the quality of Ricky Puch because I think he's still a good passer. He could still kind of make tackles. He could still, you know, make those key plays, but I think at Barcelona right now, he's very, very competitive midfield right now, and I just don't – I'm not sure he'll get a chance again, but kudos for him. Um, he got his goal, and let's see if that can help his confidence in, in the future. Well, it's crazy because even, like, a year ago today, if you would had said to me that, like, there'd be – like, Nico and Gavi, from what I understand, were not a thing a year ago today. No. They were just coming up, and when yeah. you look at this, like, you'd think who should be in that rotation. He should be the number one starter. And look how far he's fallen down. Like the talent's yeah. still there, but Barcelona. Yes. Has- no, he's 22 years old. He still yeah. has it. But the the talent Barcelona is tr- like getting from their cat is crazy. Like th- to say that this guy who was tipped to be like, I, I mean, t- tell me if I'm wrong. He was tipped to be the next big big Spanish midfielder coming out. Yes, he was. I mean, at the time he was supposed to be, but just because, you know, Barcelona at that time, you know, they weren't were they weren't using their academy the way they were because our Bartomeu's, you know, uh, board, you know, they were really much more focused on getting players instead of developing them. And we're starting to see the change in that yet again. You know, um, you know, Xabi, I think in his first couple of weeks in charge kind of played a lot of the young players. And so we started to see kind of, the young Masia players come back and play. Uh, and Ricky Butch, again, yes, he had a, he had his moments under Kiki Sentien when he was the manager. You know, he's kind of helping Messi out. He's kind of playing that number 10 role, uh, you know, when that situation happened. But I still believe he's a, there's a player in Ricky Pooch. I think he has a quality, but I just don't think it's going to be at Barcelona in his future. But, you know, he's a player that – it's a fan favorite, I get, honestly. Like, player, uh, people like you love him, and I'm – you know, I guess I guess he he just has that something that uh, a lot of people like. But yeah, definitely he's a fan favorite. But you know, I, I I'm not sure moving forward he's gonna get a lot of starts. But you know, he took advantage of his 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 minutes, so definitely good for him. So let's move on to Real Madrid. Man, oh man, going into Glasgow, this is gonna be a good one because Real Madrid get a, another big performance from Karim Benzema and, and Vinicius Junior. Those two parents have been terrific. They get a 3 nothing win over Mallorca on the road. My question for you, Ben, is do you think Vinicius Jr. and Benzema are the best two trios in the world right now? Uh, are they better than Messi? And well, who would you well, – here's my question. Would you pair, who would you pair PSG – who would be the two from PSG? I guess you want – I guess you could put Mbappe and Messi. 
okay. at the moment, you know, and, and you could think of Mane, Salah, you could take anyone from City's front line if you want. You know what? Um, yeah, go ahead. I would say, hmm. no, I would say form even, wise. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I would say form wise, I would say yes. I think Salah and, and Mane are just under them. Um, I mean, Benzema, 34 goal contributions this season. It's insane. Um, insane. And even Vinicius Jr., he's taking that next jump that everyone knew he had, but this yes. year, like coming to light, like he's he's incredible. Um, so yeah, I definitely a number one pairing. I I can't even think of any other names on the top of my head. I mean, maybe no one pairs with Lewandowski. I, yeah, number one pairing for sure. I don't know about what you think on this. Yeah, no. So I brought this question up because you know I want to compare them to kind of the rest of football because Vinicius and Benzema together in La Liga solo have thirty three goals combined. Insane. They've just been a a, 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 tr- a tremendous trio together. Vinicius Jr. has really stepped up his game. And he's really found his finishing. I mean, the comparison for me of Vinicius Jr. is kind of what Raheem Sterling was once upon a time. You know, he was a player that getting the good positions, could get into the good final third, but he just couldn't finish. And eventually we saw Sterling really step up his game. Pep Guardiola comes in and we saw just like a tremendous jump from Raheem Sterling, not to a good player, to a world-class player. And I think in this situation, Vinicius Jr. has 13 goals already in La Liga, six assists. He's just a player that just found his consistency, found his finishing. And that was the only thing that a lot of Madrid players, a lot of Madrid fans were saying, you know, can he be a good finisher? And for a, a long time, he just wasn't. And now he's really found his form. And I think with Kareem Benzema, who's right now, I think, what did he, what was it? I think he had, I did, I saw this stat, and then I think it might have changed. I think they're tied right now. Ronaldo and Benzema, I believe they're tied right now because this was, per, this is, prior to the match between Manchester United and Tottenham, and also this one, that Benzema was ahead of Cristiano Ronaldo for mm. when they separated. Kareem Benzema has produced more goals than Cristiano Ronaldo since Ronaldo's departure. I guess that's changed. I haven't looked on the updated one, but he gets two yet goals. I think they're tied now, uh, if I'm not mistaken, but I'll double-check that just to confirm. But the, the amount of goals Kareem Benzema has done in production – since Ronaldo has left, has been an out, just an eye-opening uh, to, to watch. And he's doing it well. And I think, again, you mentioned it before, 20 goals, 10 assists. That's that's messi S. That's ronaldo S. And so Benzema, this is why I think they'll win the La Liga title. They have no problems right here, right now. But those two, as I mentioned, I think right now, currently, are the best trio in world football. We saw, as we get into the Champions League, what they did to uh, PSG, but you know, I think this is it's going to be a huge problem because guess what, Ben? We have El Clasico um, next week between Barcelona and Real Madrid. So as we talked about Barcelona, as we talked about Real Madrid, what what's your expectations for this upcoming Clasico? What can I, I don't, I don't remember off the top of my head. What was the score of the last one? Let me, I give me one second. In the meantime, let me check on that. But I believe Real Madrid won. Uh, I think it was might have been three one or even two nothing if I'm not mistaken. Oh, you looked that up. Um, I looked, yeah. Oh, thing. oh, in La Liga played the last time they played because they did play like in oh. Saudi Arabia. But if you're talking La Liga, La Liga, La Liga, La Liga, uh, Barcelona lost two one. Okay, 
That was Sergio Aguero's last goal, by the way. I do remember that. Yes. Um, one thing I will say before we get into this is another yeah. goal, uh, a, uh, a duo we did not mention, Hyunmin's yeah. and Harry Kane. Obviously, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, that, I agree. I should look up yeah. the goal count the two of them, that but counts. that's the big Definitely. group I think of. Um, but yeah, getting into this, obviously, Real Madrid are on another level right now. I mean, what do they have? I think it's uh, 13 points in their, out of 15 in their last five. Like, it's incredible. Yeah. I mean, Barcelona is on the same run, but I think Real Madrid are just that notch ahead of them. The 2-1 game, I do remember watching that. It was not – they were not playing as good as they're playing right now, Barcelona. Right. Think about where their squad was where they didn't have half the names, really, it seems like, that are playing right now. Like, I mean, you could even say Dani Alves wasn't there, Adama Traore, Aubameyang, Fernand Torres, all these big-name players that are making a name for themselves. Yeah. And they fit in nicely. I still think it's Real Madrid's game, but I think it's going to be – I would say a one nothing, and I would say a Kareem Benzema goal is going to be the end of this game. I'm going to look at this game comparing to what it was before. Uh, well, th- that, that first game, as you mentioned before, was under Ronald Koeman. And, yeah. you know, it was a completely different way. And we saw in the Supercopa de España uh, a completely different Barcelona, yet they lost still. I think this match has a lot in a lot, obviously, because Barcelona are going to be coming back from their game in Europa League. And I think there's pride. I think Barcelona have a sense of, all right, we are. We believe we're coming, and we believe we'll stop you. Is it impossible title? I think it's impossible, but they, they're. I think they're playing for pride, and obviously, a Clasico yeah. still has a lot in this matchup. You know, as we talk about Liverpool and City, that's become a rivalry game. Um, I think this game is going to be humongous for Barcelona confidence. We'll find out a lot about Xabi as a coach uh, in this game against Carlo Ancelotti. You know, in that first matchup against. Uh, Carlos Ancelotti, Chabi, you know, made some mistakes, but we saw in that second half, he made the adjustments, uh, yet they still lost. I think Real Madrid are the favorites only because the one thing that Real Madrid have that Barcelona do not right now is a defense. They have are still very vulnerable on the counterattack. And, you know, if Dani Alves starts, you know, Vinicius Jr. will pick him apart. And, yes, Gerard Piquet is playing better. Uh, Ronald Araujo is playing better as well. Jordi Alba is good, but Vinicius and Benzema, especially on the counterattack, we saw against some of these other teams that Barcelona has really struggled. But against Real Madrid, as we, we gave you the stats before, they make you pay. And I think Real Madrid right now are the favorites, but Barcelona, they're a team that just has a lot to improve on. And so for me, I would really want Barcelona to come up with a strong lineup. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Vinicius Jr., comes in, uh, Vinicius Jr. comes in and plays against Sergio Des. Sergio Des, I think, is a player that has a lot of speed. And, yes, he's not well defender, but I think he's really improved to where potentially he could start. Uh, I believe, you know, another question is what are you going to do with the midfield? I think Frankie de Jong was, was on the bench. Gabi had the start. I think, you know, Pedri and Gabi could be a potential trio. So um, when I look at it, Ben, in this matchup between Barcelona and Real Madrid, it's going to come down to two things. Can Barcelona defend? And who's going to control the midfield? I think, honestly, I'm going to go with a draw. I'm going to go with a draw. I think this game will be a draw. I think 2-2 is the final draw. 
and Barcelona will will stop that that streak of losing to Real Madrid. I think it's five five straight. So I think, so think it will be a draw to two. You think they've made up that much time? I think they've made. I think they improved. Oh. I think offensively they have played better. I think the way they press Barcelona, we saw it against Real Madrid, even in the Supercopa, they were Real Madrid making errors all over the place, but yet they took the lead. And so that tells me right there that this game could go back and forth as we saw before. But I think Barcelona will take a draw on the Bernabeu despite that, but they need to show pride. They need to show improvement. They need to show progressiveness. And I think they'll get the draw. So I'll go 2-2 Barcelona against Real Madrid. I don't know what you think, but I think that's going to be the result. No, I, like I said, I think it's going to be 1-0. I think 1-0 Real Madrid okay. is a good result. I can't, I honestly could see a tie. I, I think they've... Uh, They've definitely picked up a ton of ground since they've been under Kuman in that last matchup, like we just talked about. Where right, I don't know what his system was, what he wanted to do, what he was trying yeah. to teach him how to do. Um, Xavi's clearly pushing his system through, and is working, and they're they're playing well. I just don't think at this t- like at this point in time they're as good as Real Madrid, but I think it's gonna be a very close game. I think like a Benzema I mean- late goal. Is how what's mm. going inside it. We'll we'll find out and we'll see what happens, but I definitely a lot. A lot of uh, positive for both these teams. And I think we're going to get a good classical, Ben. So it's been a while since I've said that. But definitely a good classical between Barcelona and Real Madrid. I think you can watch that on ESPN+. Plus. So definitely tune in for everybody that uh, are going to watch yep. that game. That's a game for a lot of fans and new fans uh, to go watch because definitely you'll see a lot of quality in, uh, in these two teams. Now, let's get into the Champions League. A huge week. I mean, a lot of surprises, some unsurprising results. Let's start with Bayern Munich getting the win 7-1, and they they advanced into the quarterfinals. Real Madrid gets a 3-1 win over PSG. I mean, out just what a comeback from Real Madrid. They were down 1-0 until the 60th minute. Benzema gets a goal off uh, a mistake from Donnarumma, and Real Madrid then look back they get a win and PSG with Lionel Messi with Neymar Jr with Kylian Mbappe with all the signs they made all the money they've spent Ben still have not won a Champions League in their history what is your reaction from the comeback of Real Madrid I think I think I summed it up perfectly in the last episode I talked about PSG are going to feel way too comfortable going into this game. And then when they get another goal and their lead extends, even more comfortable, which allows the likes of Neymar, Mbappe, and Messi, their big stars, to say, okay, we're winning now. We have a decent lead. We can sit. We don't have to defend. And right. it comes back to bite them in the butt right there. <laughs> Three unanswered goals. And that's – I mean, that's all it is. It, they have the same problems. They get too comfortable in what they're doing. And then when they have to chase and they're on the back foot, like I think the moment Benzema scored the first goal, it was it was kind of a reality check where they're like, we need to do something now or else right. it's not going to work. And when they're on the back foot, even though they're losing, even though they're winning the game, they just start to crack. And I don't I I personally don't think Poch is the right manager for this job. I don't think he's a big time manager that can do this. And I think we're seeing it now, especially when they've gotten bounced in the Champions League. Uh, granted, it, it is a tough draw in the first round, like to get around Madrid in the first round, but right. this shouldn't be happening. Whew. 
So last week, I, I've talked about Leo Messi was going to get a performance in the Santiago Bernabeu. I was completely wrong. So let me, I'll take the L on that one because I did say that I predicted because we did at the, when we had our record our last pod, it was when Kylian Mbappe was doubtful. So we didn't know if he was going to play. He did play, he did score. So yeah. that kind of changed the way I, I, I was thinking at the time. But despite all that, you know, PSG, you know, as I mentioned in the top, had so much money they spent. They got, you know, one of the best goalies uh, of the Euros come in. You know, they have a great defensive player in Marquinhos, and they had Sergio Ramos, who didn't even play in this game. And they added, you know, Leo Messi, who thought would be the savior to this team. You know, there were so many people excited that Messi, you know, there was, you know, we're watching the coverage in Argentina when his news of, of, of making his arrival at PSG, and everybody was so happy that he, he arrived at the club. And, and to the point of PSG booing him. And that was kind of where we saw it. Like this team, the expectations of this team was Champions League or bust. No matter what they're going to do, they're already 15 points ahead of the league. They're going to win the league. But that wasn't the objective for this team. This team objective was to win the Champions League, and they failed. As you mentioned, Mauricio Pochettino, I think he's never figured out how to use Messi. I think, you know, Messi is a player that I think trying to individually do it on his own. And I think with a manager not figuring how to use the player out, I think Messi has been lost. That's why he has only have two goals this season, or excuse me, this year. And, and Christian Arnold gets three goals uh, in one game. And, and that shows you a lot about where Messi is right now. And you saw the fans booing both Neymar and Messi after that performance. And you could tell the PSG fans were very upset about what happened. So for me, I look at this PSG as a failure. And Real Madrid give kudos to them. Kareem Benzema, the oldest player to get a hat-trick in the UEFA Champions League. That is unbelievable. And by the way, that foul on Donnarumma, I look at that replay. I don't know what you thought about that. That was not a foul. I looked at it. I looked at the instant replay a couple times, too. For me, that was not a foul. Donnarumma was playing with it. Benzema, I, he did not push him. He didn't touch him. He did, you know, let's not say he didn't touch him but he didn't push him enough where he lost his balance i felt like donnarumma felt the pressure felt kareem benzema coming in and then made the mistake that led to the goal and that the rest is history so for me psg have so much things going on and again with their coach with their manager i think the biggest thing for me ben i don't know about you is when some of these psg coaches have left and some of these players have left we've seen them perform um thomas tuchel getting the champions league una emery winning europa league we see some of these coaches and some of these players leave and they just play well. So that tells me a lot that the, the, the whole system or the whole uh, system around PSG board or even whatever is going on with the club is completely wrong. And I think a lot of people were happy about this also Ben, because there's also a message that you can't buy titles. You can't buy titles that yeah. football is still a, a player's game, a team's game, a, a coach's game. And you need a team to win, not money to win. And I think, you know, we saw that yet again, that PSG um, lost. And I think this is potentially Mbappe's last game in a Champions League uniform with PSG. So it's a lot. And I think PSG fans showed their frustration in the weekend against uh, uh, in the weekend with Messi and, and Neymar and Boudin, as I mentioned. But definitely it was a which is huge loss. Yeah. I mean, you look at the, how I see it is you look at City and you know how they play. They play a very 
slow build-up play, but also can exploit the pockets. You look at Burnley, who are just sit in and just get ready to pounce. Bielsa Ball yeah. leads when he was there. There's all these teams that have a distinct system that they play and a style that they love to do. Barcelona yeah. as well, Real Madrid, all these big teams have it. What is PSG's system? Because they have That's a revolving question. door of managers. I've never yeah. seen a manager get to sit down and create what he wants to do and figure out how to implement that system in this team, which is why they keep struggling in the Champions League, frankly. League one is a cakewalk at this point. Apart from yeah. Lille, I think last year won it, but for the most part, it's PSG's league to lose. Champions League is where you need to learn how to play. They're not getting that in France. I think that's their biggest problem is they can just do whatever they want because they know they're going to get a result either way. But you can't bring that mindset into Europe and expect to have big games and big results. And we're seeing it right now where they just keep losing. They've never, they're just not successful in the Champions League apart from two years ago when they lost in the finals. Like, yeah, something's got to change here. We'll see what happens. There's a lot of rumors of Neymar's departure, Messi's departure, but we know, I think we all kind of maybe could agree on this that. I think we might have seen uh, Mbappe's last game against Real Madrid that could lead to his potential rival at the club. But it, it's a huge, huge loss for PSG. And yes, yet again, they lose and get knocked out. And by the way, mind you, the same time PSG lost against Real Madrid, and I think Real Madrid have, fans have said this is the remontada, was the same day they lost 6-1 to Barcelona's iconic comeback and the remontada in Camp Nou. So it's so funny that history has kind of repeated itself at PSG. So it's crazy to, yeah. to say that, but it, the, the remontada for a lot of these, these Spaniard teams have really come back and, and haunted PSG for, for, for all these performances. But definitely a, a, a lot of point, and we'll see what happens with Real Madrid in their Champions League quest as well. Other results mentioned, uh, again, Liverpool lost to Inter 1-0, but still advanced 2-1. Manchester City uh, drew 0-0 to Sporting Lisbon, but they advanced 5-0. I want to do a quick fire, Ben, with some of these other games that's going to be played in the Champions League. Let's go with Ajax, Benfica, 2-2. Who do you see advancing? Ajax, really quick, I put they have the X factor. They always have the X factor. Um, It's going to be a one-goal leg, and it's going to go Ajax's way. They just, some for some reason, always do well in the Champions League, and I don't want to bet against them in this game. Manchester United versus Atletico Madrid, 1-1 going to Old Trafford. What do you expect in this leg? Am I allowed to swear on this? Is this a, is this a, is this a swearing-friendly podcast? Uh, I mean, you could give – I mean, I guess. Go ahead. Let's see what – go ahead. All right, United are gonna, United United are gonna shit the bed here. It's gonna be like four nothing Atletico Madrid. Um, <laughs> I don't see United getting out of this leg. I don't care where they're playing, who they're playing against. United are never gonna be good in the Champions League. And well, I shouldn't say that. Right now, like in this stage in time, they're not gonna be good in the Champions League, and they're gonna lose. They're too confident. They're too confident after the Tottenham win. Leeds against Chelsea. Chelsea has won the first leg to nothing. Who do you have advancing? Chelsea. Yeah, Chelsea are going to cruise comfortably. Their likes of Pulisic, Loftus-Cheek, Lukaku, and Timo Werner all got rest against Newcastle, and those are going to be big players heading into this next leg, and I think they're just going to cruise through. Juventus versus Villarreal. It's been tied 1-1. It was a, kind of a, I've watched that first leg. A lot happened there. 
But what do you expect in this leg? Yeah, I, I mean, I also watched. I, I, I found it very stale, for being perfectly honest. I felt like Villarreal didn't have too, too much going forward in an attacking sense. Um, and I think Juve are just going to edge it. I think Vlahovic didn't have a good game then against in the first leg, but I think this next leg, he's getting more comfortable in the Juventus system. I think he's going to do well. I think Juventus are going to get like a one-goal lead, and then it's going to be the end of it. Galatasaray going into Europa League. Galatasaray against FC Barcelona in Turkey. First leg, 0-0. Who do you have advancing in Europa League? After Barcelona's big result, I think it's going to be Barcelona. Maybe a two-goal lead. Um, but my one note I had, it's in all caps. It says, Ricky Puig's time. It's his time <laughs> to shine. <laughs> that, that, He's got that, the goal. That, He's that, got that, the confidence heading into the next one. <laughs> no, who knows? Definitely. Probably the kind of player who could play. Um, yeah. <laughs> Ricky Pooch. Um, West Ham against Sevilla. Sevilla leads one nothing going into the second leg, but this will be in London. West Ham uh, at home. Who do you have advancing in this matchup, Ben? I love West Ham. They're one of my favorite teams to watch. They have no outlets to score through. I think it's going to be a severe win. West Ham eight out of their eight points out of their last fifteen in the Prem. They're going to need to. I said severe going to go up by one early, and they're going to need to score three West Ham to win it. They don't have three goals in this team, uh, especially when they don't really have an in and out striker. So or an out and out striker. So I think severe are going to get through this one. Sadly, sadly. And so that is our quick takes on the Champions League and Europa League games going on. Let's take a break and we'll be back with MLS. Back to MLS. Ben, what was your big takeaways from the weekend games? I have a couple of takes, but I want you to go first. What kind of what's your takeaway from some of the games that happened in the weekend? Um, all right, so I'll, I'll put my, my the big one last. So I said Cincinnati, first win in 14 games. It's a step in the right direction for a team that has struggled for so long. Is this their time to get in the playoffs? Probably not, probably not. But, excuse me, I think they have what it takes to win a few more games, get some performances under their belt, and then slowly, as an expansion club, it's super hard to fit into the MLS and make, apart from Atlanta United in their first year, we're able to do it. They need to find their feet in this league, and I think this is a big win to get them to step in that direction. I think they're going to be a bubble team for the rest of the year. Um, but then talking about Atlanta United, they beat Charlotte in a crazy game. I think the 96th minute they scored to win 2-1. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And Martinez scored the penalty. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the big thing is, we all know his celebration with Miggy. Is Miguel Almaron coming back to Atlanta United? Could be Ooh. huge. He is on the outs at Newcastle. So they're going to sell him. I can see a reunion in the works. If he does come back, do Atlanta United now become favorites to win the MLS Cup? It's a big one. Um, and then finally, my biggest story, my biggest takeaway of the weekend is the New England Revolution blow chunks. They stick. <laughs> <laughs> go, 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 go. Take it, take it, take it. Take all your time. The floor is yours. All right. What is there, like five feet of snow? They're playing in the snow. Arnold Trousterson is doing snow angels. I don't know what is happening. The game should have never been played. I think Carly Seal went on national television and said the F word. 
because he just was not having it. Um, so shouldn't have been played. They didn't look comfortable at all. The revolution, they just, they went up two and then it was just like too lackadaisical the whole game. Like granted they're playing in the snow. So it's hard to, cause you can't, I mean, you can't play balls on the ground cause it's just going to stop and collect snow. And as it rolls, it's just going to become a boulder and keep going. You can't play balls over there either. Cause they don't have pace up top. Like what what happened? They put in Josie Altador. Cool, he scored. No, I like, I don't want that. I do not want Josie Altador to score and that be the happiest moment of the game. Like it sucked. They can't defend. I think Turner's going to be a big loss. And like I, we talked about this last week, how they get him a replacement. Edwards is not it. Um, it was just a terrible performance. John Bell, I don't even know. Don't, I don't even know about him. Spalding looked good. Fair play him. But the, those are my takeaways. The revolution blow chunks. I'll let you take the floor. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I have a couple of things. I think Atlanta, as I mentioned, actually, that was the team I was going to talk about as well. I mean, their team, I think, going to come up, Miguel and Mion. And I think Joseph Martinez back, I think, is good for MLS soccer. <laughs> the fact that he's back, I think he's been in such an amazing goal scorer for a long time. And to see him back scoring, and performing, I think this is going to be a big boost for Atlanta United. And I think if they get Almiron back, which is, I think, a, a chance, you know, we'll see if he wants to stay in Europe or not. And, and, and the opportunity to come back to Atlanta is there. I think they, as you mentioned, could be contenders. I, another team to watch for me is LAFC. Seven points, two wins, one draw. Um, they've been playing much better. They get a 2-0 win against Inter-Miami. Inter-Miami has been a, a yet another bad bad uh, start to the season. I mean, they're a team. I mean, it, it's just – let's be honest. They are the worst team in the MLS. I just – I cannot believe the hype this team had for such a long time. And, you know, they're bringing in Leo Messi, Elise Suarez, or Antoine Grisha, Cristiano Ronaldo. And David Beckham promised us we're going to get a start. Well, guess what? This team doesn't even have a, a team right now. So right now, Inter Miami really struggling, winless right now. I mean, this team once again has a bad start, what they had last year. And I think potentially they could be the worst team in the MLS. They, they finished okay last year, but still a team that's just been struggling all season long. Um, Inter Miami is just a, a team that I think a lot of people are not the fans are not going to enjoy yet again. And, and finally, I think uh, Ralph Salt Lake, I think their team, and you mentioned uh, the, the revolution, but Ralph Salt Lake came in and, and they got the win in the snow. Hey, hey, you know, they could take what you got. So they got a 3-2 win. They beat Seattle as well. Um, they've been playing good soccer. So I think, you know, my big takeaways have been Ralph Salt Lake, Inter-Miami, and Atlanta United. So we'll find out what happens. But those are my takeaways in the MLS after this weekend. Uh, and not to mention the Red Bulls, but yes, they got lost the game. But they're still right there in six points, only uh, two wins and one loss. So they're still right there. And I think there's a team that have much better season than what they had last year. I expect that from the Red Bulls team. So um, we'll see what happens. But definitely into Miami, man. I mean, all that hype. I don't know what to say. <laughs> all right so we'll leave it there uh when we come back we'll get into our trivia segment i mean we don't have a name for it i hope me and ben hopefully after this segment we come up with a name for it uh and then we have a name for it and then we can definitely do this we'll try to do this every week but when we come back 
our trivia segment, we'll give some trivia questions in the world of soccer. So we'll come back right after this. Okay, welcome back to the trivia segment. Ben came over Guetta. We will be giving our question to each other. Let's see how good are we in the knowledge of soccer. So, Ben, uh, I don't know if you want to start or I, I would like to start. Whatever you want to go, I'll go by. Uh, I don't know how you want to start by this, but definitely uh, if you want, take take the first question. You know what? You I've kind of... I've kind of think. Yeah, I've kind of done something differently. I wanted I play these games, these missing eleven games. I kind of okay, gave them instead. Um, so you know what? We'll do this. We'll do how many? You have five questions. You said. I got three. You got. All right, we'll do this. So I have a I have a starting eleven. So okay. I'll ask you for the defense and the goalkeeper, and then okay. you ask me a question, and we'll go back and forth. Okay. Uh, all right. So I'll paint. Cool. I'll paint you a scene. This is the picture. All right. It's cool. uh. I'm ready. I Let's go. I think it was in the Bernabeu. It was okay. a five-nothing win for Barcelona in 2010 against Real Madrid. Um, so obviously a classic, classic match in Barcelona. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So I've, I've picked the starting eleven from Barcelona, and I've just written down the names. See if you can guess it. Some of them are pretty obvious. Um, but yeah, so the goalkeeper and the defenders. So they're playing a four-three-three at this point. So goalkeeper and defender, I, you got. Can I just give you the whole starting lineup? I already know it. You already know the whole thing. Yeah, I do. We'll, we'll do we'll do goalkeeper defender. <laughs> we'll, we'll go back. All right, and back and all right cool, 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 cool. Uh, Victor Valdez, Dani Alves, Carlos Puyol, Gerard Piquet, Eric Abidal. Well, yeah, I mean, you got it. Right. Yeah, yeah. Listen, I I was I was I believe I was in my house when I was watching that game. That was one of the most insane games ever I've ever watched in football. <laughs> Uh, but yes, I remember it very well because that was when I was growing up and watching Barcelona. So definitely, I know this so well. And yeah, I don't know if I got that right. I tried. I, w- I will I'm ask. Right, go ahead. You yeah. said you said you remember. Is that a game that sticks out to you where you remember exactly where you were and what you were doing? So like mine's like the City QPR game, obviously. But is there one game that you can say exactly what time yeah. of the day it is where you were? Yeah, yeah, I do. So I have a couple, but uh, the messy. So the all right, I'll give you, I'll give you one. All right. So in so the, the so we'll go the remontada. So the 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 six one PSG game. I was in. So this was my first year in my uh, at college. I was a freshman in Farmingdale. This is here in Long Island, and I was watching the game through my phone. So I think I finished my class. I was watching, I was coming back, I was about to leave, and I was watching the game on my phone, on the way in the sidewalk. And I just started celebrating when they scored the goal in the middle <laughs> of the side of the, of the sidewalk. And I just, people were looking at me weirdly, but I was just celebrating. I was so happy that they won. But th- that game, I just remember that day perfectly. Because around this time period, and I was over there, and I just celebrated so well when they won. So it was crazy. Yeah, I don't know about yours, so I know the QPR is one. I have another yeah. one, but we'll, well, we can hold this off for a couple more episodes. Yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll, we'll do this later. We'll, we'll we'll do this maybe once once a week. We'll talk about that moment, but I have a couple more in my mind. But definitely that seven one. I mean, excuse me, that six one was pretty <laughs> insane. Yeah. Um, all right. So I, go ahead. No, I'll let you go with your question. I'm all ready. right. So here. All right. So. I hope you can get this. I believe in you, and I trust you, and let's see if you can get this right or not. We'll see. Okay. Uh, on July 20, 
1st, 2007, David Beckham made his LA Galaxy debut. Which team did he play against? Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. The names yeah. that come to mind would be Seattle, Portland, or like San Jose. Those are the three names I'm thinking. No, none of those are. Uh, all right. So I'll give you a hint. So again, this is summertime. This is before the season starts. Or this is, yeah, no, no, excuse me. This is a competition they played. This is not a, not, oh. Oh, is it one of the inter- is it one of the international Championship cup ones? Yeah, okay. you're getting close, but okay. So uh, you I'll, that's my last name. So go ahead. Okay, it's definitely not United. It's definitely not United. Okay. I'm thinking of the teams that are in it. It's usually Real Madrid, Roma, Barca. Liverpool just got added recently. Definitely wasn't City. Oh, was he in the ballot? No, he wasn't in that game. I'm gonna go Roma. I'm gonna go Roma. Roma's a dark horse. Uh, I'm gonna. So the answer is Chelsea. Oh, in the World it. Football Challenge in 2007, David Beckham oh, comes wow. off the bench and plays for the LA Galaxy, and the rest is history. I remember <laughs> that too. Like I, yeah. I was at five at that point, but I do it, remember. You know what's going- crazy? I didn't. So I looked. I remember. So it was funny. It's weird things that happen in the shower. But I actually thought about this. I'm like, huh. When did David, I, I asked myself, when did David Beckham, which team did he play against in his debut? I know a lot of people knew when he made his debut, but I knew, I don't know if people know the team that he played against. Yeah, so it was Chelsea. I didn't know that either, but it's Chelsea in 2007 in the World Football Challenge at the time. Now, it's what, now they call it uh, international, I don't know what they call it now, but that yeah, was uh, the type. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now, at that time, it was World Football Chelsea. So, yep, there you go. Uh-huh. Well, I'll ask you for the midfield. You you already know who it is, but who is who played in this game? Uh, Busquets, Xavi, and Andres Iniesta. So those are my three. I mean, I man, mean, you gotta you can't go Barcelona on me. I mean, I'm telling you, you could you should have went a, a different route. Honestly, I think I you would have made a more challenge. Barcelona is a hard team to to really kind of challenge. You know, I mean, me. yeah, the missing eleven to. The missing eleven today is Real Madrid's five nothing win against Mallorca from twenty twelve. Now you told me. Now you told me Real Madrid starting line against Barcelona. Now that would have been a challenge because that I really had to think hard about because in that game there was a lot of interesting players on that team that might have confused. Like Kaká was on that team, but I don't think he played. So it's you know um, it's interesting, but definitely. I mean, I'm not even sure. I mean, definitely, yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's. Are, are we good? I think. Did no, I, good. Yeah. Cool. In June of 2009, the, the USA advanced to the 2009 Confederations Cup final to play Brazil. But Ben, who did they beat in the semifinals to advance to the final? Oh God! Dude. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know these guys. You know, I I chose questions that are a little a little. Um, older for your age so i kind of wanted to make it a little challenging so yeah <laughs> let's see I'll, let's see if you got first, first nation i think of is costa rica i'm gonna I'm <laughs> costa rica i'm going costa rica again this, this is is this your final answer you're sure costa rica oh my goodness you're so wrong it's wrong no it's against spain they in the 2009 semifinals they beat spain two nothing Josie Altidore, that was one of his goals. Oh, man, uh, this is iconic. This was one of the biggest upsets in, like, 
uh, American soccer history. They beat Spain in beat Spain in 2009. This is when they still had Fernando Torres, David Villa. I mean, this is still peak Spain. And they I mean, beat them in the Confederations Cup. I know, mind the Confederations Cup. It's a little different than the World Cup. But still, they beat Spain. When I'm thinking of top-notch USA performances, I'm thinking right before the <laughs> Euro, USA versus Wales, and they tied them one-one. That's a mm. that, that is the epitome of a top-notch USA performance. I, you know, it's so funny. I remember that game against Brazil, and I think one time, I think I had a family member here, and we're watching it. And he bet on me. USA were up two nothing that game. In the first half, they played so well. It was two counterattacks from Landon Donovan, and people forget they were going to win. And this is peak Brazil with Kaká, Robinho, Luis, Fabiano. Come back second half, and they just absolutely complete the comeback. They win the game 3-2. But still, they beat Spain to get to the final. So it's pretty insane. Yeah, so they go on to win 2-0. Yeah, it's a, it's a, I don't know if a lot of Americans remember this, people your age, but I remember yeah. this because I was watching it. So, Damn. yeah. All right. <laughs> All right, well. The strikers, the, the front three. Yeah, all right. Um, if I get this wrong, I mean, man, you could laugh, at me, but I'm pretty sure I'm right. This is where I might be 95% correct and I think 5% wrong. Okay. Pedro, Messi, Villa. Yeah. Okay. Ooh, okay, you, okay. Who, what else would it have been? Uh, who else could um, you... I know. So I was thinking, well, I knew, I knew Villa was at, at that starter but i i think i wasn't sure about pedro at the time i think in, i forgot who i think slot on oh no no he wasn't on the team there but was i think this was Alexis it, there? i think no i think that was the year after but i think i know jeffrey scored and boyan was still on the team too so there was a couple players that were there that was kind of like not sure but i think yeah so yeah i wasn't sure about pedro but those, those other two that was kind of yeah, so all right final question this should be easy. I think if, if you if you don't know this, then I, I I'm not sure we we have to be friends again. <laughs> oh, uh, all right, now let's see if you can get this right. I hope so. All right, this is this one should be the easy one. This is the third one. This is the last. One. Who won the first ever World Cup? And which year was it? Oh God! Oh God! No, I got it. No. Yeah, you got it. You got it. Come on. You know, I mean, if you can just get the country, I'll give you the full credit. But, I mean, the year is kind of hard. I can top of your head. But the country, I think, uh, is, it's a historical. i give you a hint. Uh, it's a team from South America. I was going to say that. No, I know it. It's, mm. No, it's Uruguay. It's Uruguay. It's Uruguay. It's Uruguay. Correct. I mean, if you want bonus points, with, uh, do you know which, which year this was? trying to think of like <laughs> this is, terrible. This is historical mile. right <laughs> i think of a mile give a give a just a, a guess and see if you can get this right probably like 1940s like in and around there close but uh the answer is 1930 1930 hey listen you were close all right you're 10 years off you're only 10 years off <laughs> But all right, uh, I mean, <laughs> I'll give you the I give you the point there because I, I think the year is kind of more hard than the country. But yes, Uruguay is the first team ever to win a World Cup and their only title in their history. And they won that in 1930. I actually read a couple books on the history of World Cups and about Uruguay's history. So it's actually quite interesting to see them win. But definitely historically, like they're kind of when you, you don't really look at them that kind of like that, but 
yes, they are the first one ever to win a World Cup, and that is from South America. So there you go. Uh, ben, uh, I think we – I love this game. This is actually really good. The only thing we have to learn next time is never give me – never give nah, – No, I'm going to go – Barcelona teams, Premier League teams, go any other teams – um, maybe except for the AC Milan teams prior to, you know, 2011. I might probably know everything about them, too. Uh, and, yeah, <laughs> you could go any team. They'll go with Barcelona with me because I'm pretty sure I'll get it right. Um, maybe except for prior to 2005. No, I probably I don't know. Nine. <laughs> I like the missing 11. I'm going to think of a better one. But the missing All 11 right. is one. I just no, gotta... I love that. If you can give me – no, if you could – like, I think, you know, obviously this is week one, week two. Let's see if you come back and you can get some revenge on me. I'll work on my questions. Let's see how I can up my game and make sure you kind of <laughs> uh, not get my questions right. And, yeah, we'll see how this wing works again. But I, I think not, uh, you got to definitely try a little harder, man. I mean, Barcelona, 2011, come on. That, that's kind of the peak of my peak of my childhood. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think – I think Slovenia played Slovakia uh, about 10 years ago. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll find out what happens, but um, definitely everybody um, tune in uh, to the final whistle podcast. We have our first episode up. I mean, we have more features coming in. We have Ben doing a couple of interviews. We'll have our social media follow us on Instagram at uh, final whistle podcast. And you guys can follow us over social media. Ben, you can follow Ben on social media. I believe Ben, give us what is your Instagram so our listeners could go follow you. My, I'll say my Twitter. My Twitter is uh, Ben underscore Kane four. That's where all of my content goes through. So if you're looking to see what I'm working on, it's on Twitter somewhere. But your Twitter cool. is cool. All right, and uh, for me and my Twitter and my uh, Instagram is Marvin I, uh, underscore Argueta. So if you guys, if you guys want any of our content, you can follow us. And tune in next week because we have a big show to react to, El Clasico, games in the Champions League, and hopefully a lot more news in the world of soccer. So thank you, everybody, for tuning in to the Final Whistle podcast. We'll see you next week, and hopefully uh, Ben doesn't test me again with uh, Barcelona. (laughs) Everybody, have a good one. Enjoy.